0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pod2112, the official podcast of the 2112 Group, where we talk with the business executives and thought leaders about the technology, market issues, and indirect route-to-market trends impacting the world around us. I, of course, am your host, Larry Walsh. Everyone wants to talk about generating recurring revenue, and it seems as though every vendor, including hardware vendors, want to sell on a subscription or some form of service-based model. You know, the idea of selling everything as a service isn't new, but it's not common in the wild. Vendors are often chal- challenged in building the logistics and financial models to support everything as a service, and solution providers often don't build the holistic packages needed, that needed to address the totality of customer needs. DNH Distributing is looking to change that with its, with its new everything-as-a-service model. It's helping SMB-oriented solution providers address a multi-billion-dollar opportunity for getting more seats supported through services. Joining us today to walk us through that vision and strategy is our old friend Jason Bystruck, the Vice President of DNH's Cloud Business Unit. Jason's been through the trenches of both the cloud and managed services world, and he knows a thing or two about the, about services-based channels. And he's going to tell us why now is the right time for everything as a service. And with that, Jason, welcome to Pod twenty one twelve.
1: Thanks for having me today, Larry. Really excited to be with you and uh, discuss this topic today. Well, Jason,
0: why don't we uh, why don't we start by properly setting the stage? DNH is calling its new initiative monetizing the seat, but what are we really talking about? What but what we're really talking about is everything as a service, in which partners bundle different hardware, software, and managed services as a complete offering, and, you, and of course, sold as a subscription. Is that essentially what we're talking about, or is there more to it than that?
1: I think that is the basis for it, but there's always more to it, Larry. So. Yeah, when when we look at, first of all, what we include in everything as a service or X as a service, as we're referring to it as, it really puts together our devices as a service program. So the hardware component, software as a service or cloud services, if you will, managed and professional services to complete it. And it creates you know, a great value for both the channel partner and the end user uh, in the marketplace right now. I think one of the differences when we talk about monetizing the seat using this type of a program is that it turns it into a per seat metric. And I think that makes it easier to position and drive these solutions into the SMB market. And it also provides a very compelling and measurable sales metric to gauge your customer penetration. It's very easy to understand how many people are at your end user and then how much of that seat market opportunity that you've captured through this model.
0: You know, I think it's interesting you're talking about it as a metric because this is one of the one of the things I found really interesting about your about the justification for your strategy is that your estimate is, is that the average SMB spends about five thousand dollars a seat on IT everything whether it's hardware acquisition support services software. You know, do the SMBs out there really understand how much they're spending on it and spending on IT and do they understand what they could actually gain by going to everything as a service?
1: Well, I'm not sure it's always 100 percent clear today, Larry, which is why I think this is compelling and you know, to your point, you know, using this as a metric, this is something that both the the solution provider and their end customer can get together and agree on how much is being spent per seat when it comes to IT, and then figure out the best way to, you know, deliver and manage those IT services going forward. But you know, you mentioned, yeah, there's uh, you know, five thousand dollars a seat. The other data that I've heard is that there's about seventy eight million SMB seats in the U.S. market, you know, right now, which is is compelling. And furthermore, uh, I've heard that 9 million of those 78 million seats are being consumed already in an as-a-service model. So what that does is it illustrates that there's there's clear market demand, right, if you already got 9 out of 78 million, and it creates risk and opportunity both for the channel partner. I, I think the risk lies in that the channel is not necessarily, you know, focused on, on this model yet, and, you know, they haven't participated fully in you know, the 9 million seats are already out there in this type of model. So that that's where the risk is. The opportunity is that there's 69 million more seats to go get, right? And that there'll be a first mover advantage to those that jump on that train and start to deliver things this way. You know, another reason that now is the time to do this is that the financing programs, the channel tools to deliver the cloud technology components, the subscription management tools that are out there, and the fact that managed services is start, starting to become more widespread and, and commonplace uh makes this a perfect time to really evolve into this model
0: you know i I get it I, I, and I, I you know I'm not going to dispute your numbers because i they sound they sound credible um, but i I, I actually want to know why now still why now is the right time for everything as a service it, it seems to me is that we've we've been talking about this for a long time. You are calling this you and d and h are calling this a three hundred and ninety Billion dollar market opportunity. What's prevented the market from capitalizing on this? Because, look, think back—you know, ten, fifteen years ago, Jason, you and I were talking about how you could have end-to-end services, inclusive of of hardware. Why haven't we addressed it yet?
1: No, that's a legitimate question, Larry. Uh, you know, no, no question about it. So. You know, my thoughts on that are as well, partners have been able to deliver certain components of this X as a service model, like they've done things like remote monitoring management, they've done support, they've done warranty and break fix for a long time. Uh, and even in some cases, started to do hardware as a service. You know, I think there's been gaps historically in some of the financing programs that are not quite fit to support the model. Uh, things like asset disposition and refresh services that go along with it these are some of the skills and some of the the channel muscles that maybe we're not fully developed but you know that's changing quickly and i think now's the time i think there's also been you know operational gaps so you know how do you process orders how do you handle invoicing in this everything as a service model and bring those pieces together and you know honestly those are areas that we've been working hard to address with our solutions at dnh
0: one of the things that i i think is a a barrier to To everything as a service it's not the hardware or the uh, not the software or the the cloud services but it is the hardware there's there's real capital cost of acquiring and moving hardware around that is difficult to recognize in a in a subscription model how are you helping the helping to break down the barrier to getting getting that hardware into this equation in a way that everybody gets paid
1: Absolutely. So, um, you know, first of all, it's it's a matter of understanding what goes together in that solution bundle, Larry. I mean, you know, when we start to look at, um, you know, again, what, what is being spent in that per seat model, you've got the hardware pieces and that's typically going to include your endpoint device like a laptop or desktop. Uh, you know, some of the peripherals and accessories that you might have with your workstation that could be, you know, monitor, keyboard, mouse, printer, things like that. Um, and then when you start to look at what else is sold with that solution, you you can look at all the software stacks. So certainly email, um, you know, endpoint security, collaboration tools, communication tools like your phone service. And then your are professional services on top like, you know, migration, setup, uh, imaging, asset tagging, warranty, help desk, support, all that. You have to put it together, first of all, to understand the full opportunity. And then you can start to look at how you finance that. So out of that stack that I just kind of called out there, you know, the hardware piece might be you know, challenging if it is by itself. But if you look at the other pieces, oftentimes they're already being consumed in a monthly model. So if you can actually take the hardware, you know, chop that up into the, the monthly financing and then wrap it in with the rest, it makes it much easier to offer a full monthly service since so many of the pieces are already monthly.
0: I want to pick up on something you just said there about, uh, about a lot of these services already being consumed on a monthly model. Or some type of services model. In fact, the end customer may be consuming some of these services from multiple providers. So they may be working with one with one solution provider on their cloud services and another one on their backup. Is there a a risk of creating some channel conflict in that your partners you you're, you may ask, you may be asking your customers to consolidate their providers?
1: Well, I, I think that it might be conflict among the different providers that are involved, but certainly our job is to help support our partners one at a time, right, and help make sure they're monetizing the full seat, right, to use the term we started with there. Um, you know, I, I think there's an there's an absolute opportunity for them to have a broader conversation with their customer about all the different pieces of technology they're consuming. What we find today, oftentimes, is that. You know, too often these these partners are are talking about one component, so they just sell the laptop, or they're just selling Office three sixty five, uh, or they're just selling a UCAS solution, right? You know, the whole idea is to get people to talk about all the technology that's being consumed for each user at the end client, and then wrap that into a delivery model and a financing model to take to market.
0: Yeah, you know, and and that is a that is a real problem. We've, you know, it's it's interesting. We've we have new research coming out. That, that shows that the number of vendors that solution providers are working with is ticking up. The number of offerings that they're putting into a, into a services or a cloud-based uh, deal is also ticking up. But there's a limit to it. They're not really engaging across the board in terms of creating those end-to-end packages. Why do you think that is?
1: Well, again, I think that there's there's opportunity for people to enhance their sales skills, if you will, right? And talk about these different types of programs, I think, is one of the, the top reasons why we've not seen as much adoption as we want yet. But I'll go back to that market number. If you, you believe 9 million of 78 million is already kind of being sold that way, that means the demand is there and it's up to the channel to figure out the best way to fulfill that and grow it, right? You know, another angle that I would speak to is, is you know, really around the fact that... Um, you know, end clients are looking to quickly refresh the technology that they're using more often, right? And a lot of times users, especially SMBs, they can't afford to go out and make a big capital investment to keep up with technology trends. I mean, you know, it's advancing faster than ever, as we all know, and those refresh cycles happen quickly. So there's actually a widening gap between the speed of technology and then and then how quickly the users can gain access to it. Um, You know, we're starting to see that a lot of users are, you know, maybe waiting four or even five years to refresh some of their hardware. One of the great things about X as a service is that it's typically a three year term. um, And since it's billed as a monthly service, there's not even a decision to keep and to make another investment, right? They just simply agree to stay on the service and they're going to refresh that device, you know, every three years if they work on that type of term. So that really helps to speed up the overall technology adoption too.
0: Is this though an all or nothing proposition? Do, the, do you believe in order to fully monetize the seat or capture the seat as a service for from a solution provider perspective, that they have to go end to end? or can they, can they pick and choose the offerings that they want to include and specialize in?
1: Well, Larry, the, the greedy sales guy in me says it's it's all or nothing, but the fact is it's not. It's very flexible right? The way that, you know, we developed a modeling tool that partners can use to help understand a menu of the different options or components to include. And, you know, quite frankly, they can remove some of those components if there are different types of solutions that they just don't want to sell. Like, you know, for example, in the modeling tool, we'll have things like the bandwidth component if they want to sell internet connectivity, or we'll have business applications in there uh, that they can use. And, yeah, you know, some of our partners are just not quite ready or not, or choose not to sell that type of solution. They can remove those before they put the final solution together, right? Um, and, and then really it becomes a conversation after they build the solution as to whether the client prefers to consume things in a, a capital investment model or more of an OpEx model as we suggest here. So that can be done at the component layer, right? They can pull in and out different components of that solution and, and break it up a little bit more. There might be certain components that they want to go and, and, and make a five-year investment in and, and write a big check for to do uh, or just do it a traditional lease. And there's other components where they might want that constant refresh or all the benefits of having, you know, the support services attached that comes with it. And, and they'll elect for the X as a service model, that piece of it. So the bottom line is it's a very flexible uh, model that, that the partners can choose any way that they want to roll it out.
0: Earlier, you, you mentioned there are risks involved what are the risks to the solution providers? I mean, actually, let's expand this. What are the risks to not only the solution providers but the vendors that are involved? Who's holding the paper or the finance, the financial accountability for all this hardware and software that goes into every, into the everything as a service model?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Larry. So, you know, honestly, the risk can be as high or as low as the partners choose, right, first of all. And, you know, certainly with risk comes reward and, and, you know, potentially additional margin that comes with it. But, you know, the way that we've built our program is, you know, this model allows a partner to kind of decide how they want to deliver each component of that solution right? So there's the hardware layer, um, you know, are, are they going to just go and purchase and resell something? Or in some cases, we do have partners that have their own IP and capabilities of, of offering their own hardware, which they could take on. You know, when you think about software, well, there's a lot of well-known brands and titles out there that are, are more often done in a resale model. But again, some partners have their own IP and, and software development capabilities. If they choose to write their own code, there's a little more risk involved, but potentially more margin. And then even in the services and financing elements, right, an MSP might say, I want to take care of the support element to it, or I'm going to take care of the break fix and remote monitoring pieces of it. That's fine. You take on a bit more risk. And then financing, you know, who holds the paper on it? Um, you know, a partner can certainly self-finance this type of uh, a model, and uh, they're going to take on the risk that comes along with that, you know, again, but they stand to maybe make your know, margin off of the financing, you know, or they can use a turnkey solution from us where we take care of it. So we, we really, you know, part of our scoping process with our partners in this modeling tool is to say, with, with those components, you know, what do you want to deliver versus what would you like us to make arrangements for? If we do all the arrangements, well, you make a nice resale margin, but you have very little risk. And the more of those you take on, you increase your risk, but you potentially increase your margin as well.
0: Right. What's d doing to enable the partners to adopt this everything as a service model?
1: Well, I think it starts with a, a solid program, right? That that's easy to scale and easy to understand. And I think we've done a, a pretty good job of starting to put that into market. Now it's a it's a matter of you know providing training and education about how it all works, uh, and that includes like talking to the technical resources that our partners to help build these solutions, help improve the maybe the sales skills and the way that they're selling the financing models that come along with this, as well as the solution itself. So a lot of education comes with it. And then from an operational perspective, we've actually integrated the delivery of this through our cloud marketplace platform. And we chose that platform specifically because it's built purposely to be able to handle a subscription type of business. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of automated provisioning and operational workflow that goes into it. So it makes it really easy to transact, to... um, uh, to handle the uh, the monthly invoice that it comes with, it, and even the support and and service tickets that come with it too. So we're really excited about what we've done to help partners adopt this X as a service model.
0: So how does DNH capitalize on this? What's what's in it for your organization?
1: Well, you know, I, I like to think that uh, we're lockstep with the partners and with with the vendors that we're helping to go to market. Right, we all play a role with it. So if we win, they win, and vice versa. Um, you know, so certainly we make a, a little bit of margin off of each of the things in the, in the component that we resell. A little bit of margin off of the services piece of it, and just like our partners, we have the opportunity to more easily capture the refresh opportunity since it's built in. You know, you think about your, um, you know, your cell phone carrier and your smartphone. I don't know about you, and, and for better or for worse, I think I've been in the same carrier for 15 years now. You just don't think about going and changing unless you have severe pain. And uh, this type of model allows partners, DNH uh, partners. Vendors and DNH ourselves to be able to continually benefit from that constant refresh with it. And the last piece I think too is you, know, you mentioned earlier, but everybody in the channel benefits from recurring revenue when it comes to the valuation of their company. So uh, you know, with X as a service being a recurring revenue model, it's uh, it's financially beneficial for everybody.
0: Are the vendors and the partners asking for this? You know, we we've talked about the identification of this this large pool of potential customers the 78 million SMB seats that could be sold to everything as a service. But let's not even think about what the end users are thinking about, because oftentimes we have to educate them. Are the vendors and the partners are the solution providers asking you for this to say, yes, now we want to do this, or is this something that you still have to go out and sell them on?
1: It's a great question. So let's break it down into different parts of the channel. You know, we've already demonstrated the end users are asking for it, right? Nine out of 78 million, that's a pretty pretty big ask, I would say, right? And it's growing. Uh, when I look at the vendors, they are recognizing that market opportunity. Obviously, they spend a lot more time doing, you know, market research and analysis and they see it. So they're asking for our help in, in doing this, right? They they see that we're able to bring together the other solution components of financing and arrange the, you know, the channel engagement and services that come along with that too. So yes to the vendors. The partners um, are probably slightly slower to adopt than maybe the other parts of the channel, but that's why we're spending so much time building an easy-to-use program and on the education enablement side of the business like that. So we're seeing adoption increase very rapidly, though it's, it's still uh, you know, too small in our opinion, so we're working hard to accelerate that.
0: Do you think this has the potential of, of supplanting the traditional hardware go-to-market model?
1: I don't think it's ever gonna be one or the other, Larry. I think it's always gonna be a bit of a hybrid model and and it'll be parts for each. But you know, the fact that this X is a service model, it is gaining traction, the market demand's rising, and I think ultimately it will become a higher percentage of the market than just standalone hardware. You know, and again, if you you think about the smartphone model, I mean, you know, people can and, and some do buy a phone separately from the carrier and they select a separate warranty company to deal with it. But I think the majority of people want to consume everything through one provider and that as a service model where they're always on the latest technology. So, you know, ultimately, I think this will surpass maybe just standalone hardware when it comes to the endpoint devices, but uh, it'll never fully replace it.
0: Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, Jason, because, you know, like every, you know, like a lot of the trends that we see, it, it's, it takes a long time for it to To develop until you know it develops slowly until it doesn't anymore. So hopefully, this will not only you'll not only see the uh, see this speed up, but you'll also see the the benefits from it.
1: Well, what's really exciting, Larry, is that uh, this is a perfect sweet spot for the channel to play because you know no single vendor can provide this entire solution very easily, right? Um, you know, you hear a lot of even other types of, you know, uh, you know, new age type distributors that focus in one area, like just cloud, or they're just doing one component, and frankly, they can't offer that whole solution either. So, I think that you know, the partners who could bring this all together, and I'm excited for what we've done at DNH as well to help partner in that model. Uh, there's a great chance to to accelerate and to to really deliver the the next generation solutions.
0: Fantastic, hey Jason, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate you being on.
1: Larry, it's always a blast talking to you. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll, we'll see you in person soon.
0: All right, folks. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of Pod 2112. I want to thank our guest, Jason Beistrich, the Vice President of Cloud Business Unit at DH Distributing, for joining us. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on Pod 2112, a production of the 2112 Group. 2112 is the leading provider of research, strategy development, and enablement services for B2B technology and manufacturing companies around the world. For more information about how 2112 can help your business, visit our website at the2112group.com. Also, check out Channelnomics, 2112's news and analyst site that provides the best insights into business practices and market trends. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to Pod2112. In fact... Ask your friends to subscribe too. You don't want to miss a single episode and and conversations with the executives and thought leaders shaping the world around us. You can subscribe to Pod2112 on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. It's easy to subscribe, so do so today. Thanks again for listening to Pod2112. Until next time, I'm Larry Walsh.